The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. June is Pride Month, and on this episode of the Nonprofit Happy Hour, we are celebrating by chatting with the folks behind this year's Pride Festival and Gaylibration. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined today, uh, Executive Director Deborah Porta of Pride Northwest Festival. And we are, well, you all are, uh, and the rest of the city is gearing up for the festival. Uh, Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Corey Castor and and Brian Westbrook are also uh, with us here. Let's just start with uh, let's just start with what what does this year look like? Um, you know, because we are quote unquote back to normalcy. <laughs> we are on the air, but those of you that uh, 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 Deborah just rolled her eyes. Um, <laughs> what does this year's festival look like, or what is the hope? Um, well, we are definitely back in person um, with the Pride Waterfront Festival. Uh, it's a two-day festival, and uh, and then the parade on the that's on the same weekend, June 18, 19. Um, it's big. It's we we're expanding for the first time in I think close to twenty years. Um, the festival itself is expanding. Um, it takes a lot of work to have the city approve that, so we're pretty excited. Um, but it's we're because we're coming back after the pandemic and and uh, we've kind of forgotten how much work this is actually. Um, we're focusing just on the weekend, really, with a couple of other um, sort of what we call official pride events, most of which isn't organized directly by us. They're partner events. So our focus is really the weekend to make sure that it's as good as it can be. And, and how and why are you expanding? And those are two different questions. Um, the how is literally growing our footprint on the waterfront, which is this huge, exactly what it sounds. It's this huge park that runs along Willamette, the Willamette River, which runs down the middle of Portland. Um, we expanded, uh, we added a whole other section of the park, basically. And the why is because in 20, and we did this actually ahead of 2020 and then everything shut down. But the why is, is really straightforward is we were too big for the space that we were using. Um, 2019, people were basically shoulder to shoulder inside the festival. And um, as great as that can feel to a point, at some point it's just too much. And uh, it doesn't really allow us any flexibility in terms of what we do inside the festival itself. So really it's just about, we want to be able to do more in the event and be able to accommodate the people. And, and, and take us, take us a little bit through a flyby through the festival. I mean, people are seeing booths, people are seeing bands, uh, speeches, rallies, what are, what are, what are, what should somebody expect 
and and with in what mood should somebody arrive ideally? <laughs> um, well, preferably excited, arrive excited for Pride. Um, Portland Pride is an interesting mix of of party and celebration, uh, music, etc. But it's also um, because we as an organization are uh, very committed to Pride's origins, you're also still going to find that element of statement making and, and bringing visibility to, to the issues and concerns of our community, whether that's through speeches from the stage, um, who it is that Pride Northwest sponsors and invites into the festival uh, above and beyond exhibitors. For example, this year, we, we as an organization are deeply involved in the, in the housing crisis that is very much affecting our community um, and directly engaging with our unhoused community. And so there will be a place inside the festival that actually speaks to this, to this part of our community and engages them and allows economic opportunity as well as artistic expression. So it's this mix of those things. Um, we have the main stage, but we also have that, let's say that we started it in 2017, the LGBTQ2A plus um, arts pavilion, performing arts pavilion that we do in partnership with the Portland Gay Men's Chorus. And that's a, it's a whole other stage on another, in another part of the festival where it's everything from chorus performances, swing, it's just really it's spoken word. There's a, 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 you know, a poetry jam a couple of years ago, really every year is a little different. And this year we're adding visual art elements to it as well, a gallery, if you will. So it um, every year is a little bit different and, uh, and really kind of responsive to what's happening at the time. This year, for example, Portland Pride overlaps with Juneteenth, and that's a significant overlap. Um, and we, we don't approach that in terms of an either or. So we take our responsibility to like lifting up Black queer talent, for example, whether it's on the stage our organization serving community and other things that we'll do throughout the next six weeks. Um, yeah, the, you, you've given a, that's a lot to talk about, and and, and I want to unpack some of these these ideas because I mean, in in some ways, I mean, this festival it's it's it's, it's massive in uh, number of people there. It's massive in scope and massive in intent. Um, it also seems like. Uh, an individual could go there and party or an individual can go there and uh, be part of a seminar for lack of a better word. I mean, there's, 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 there's ser serious or there's, there's, there's fun. Um, I want to focus on some of the more uh, serious elements. Um, you touched on at least a couple. Let's start with the BIPOC community. Um, you know, certainly during the past couple years, uh, I think awareness and action have become uh, much more prevalent, uh, thank goodness. Um, and you started to talk about how the organization has responded and how the event is responding. Um, can you talk a little bit more um, about maybe some of the internal discussions that have happened in terms of thinking about how Pride Northwest can and should be supportive of, of BIPOC communities? Sure. Um, 
you know, this is a conversation that for us doesn't come around just because Juneteenth is the same time as Pride. This is an ongoing part of our culture as an organization. Um, and really for us, it very much starts with, <clears throat> excuse me, seeking and following the guidance of, uh, for example, if we're talking about Juneteenth, then we're engaging with and following the guidance of the Black queer community and the leadership from that community. Like how does, how do we get a better example? When George Floyd was killed, there was a lot of push for having a quote, allied pride march in Portland. Uh, they tried to have one down in LA and LA pride was skewered for that attempt because they didn't talk to anyone in the black community about whether or not that's how they wanted us to show up or wanted LA pride to show up. And for us, how we respond and what we do is really grounded in how does, how does someone from the black queer community want pride Northwest to show up? How, how are we, how do we, lift them up, support them, and respond in the way that they need us to, as opposed to us deciding what that looks like. Um, it's the same thing for the Latinx community, the entire Black, Indigenous, people of color, queer people of color community. Um, our response and our actions are going to be based on, on, on what they need from us and how they need for us to be. Um, go ahead. And, and yeah, it, along those lines, and maybe expanding it a little bit, um, in terms of the houseless community, then where where does one go to uh, find out what that community needs? Um, I mean, there's obviously a number of organizations that are working with houselessness, and and there's also a number of people that are experiencing it uh, for their own individual, um, you know, mm -hmm. circumstances. Um, uh, how do you go about that process? Honestly, the easy answer is you go and talk to them. Um, if we want to know what unhoused queer community members need, what they're experiencing and how we can support them, then we start with them. Um, for example, we this is a whole several years effort that's happening here. But there's a whole conversation that has now sprung up amongst a number of LGBTQ plus organizations around a coordinated collaborative effort to address housing and food insecurity for our, in our community. Um, and part of that entails a monthly meeting that several of us have with members of, here in Portland, there's a, there's a village system that was put in place early on in the pandemic by the city and the county in order to expand the shelter system because of spacing needs. Um, and the one of our fiscal sponsees was a direct partner in that, in that effort, which means that we were involved in it. Um, and one of those villages, and it's the only village that we're aware of, the only shelter in the state specific to LGBT, LGBTQIA2S plus people. So we have a monthly sort of drop-in conversation with folks from that village who come and meet with us and we have lunch and just you know, build whatever it is that we're going to build forward is coming from what do folks need for that to be? 
you know, um, so that's just one example um, specific to that community. And I, I want to get to a song break in a second here, but before we do that, and, and, and along this idea of uh, including and, and and I don't want this to be a controversial question. It's 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 a question for a conversation. Um, I saw that uh, uniform police. Uh, there's are are they going to be allowed to march or not al allowed no. to march? Nope, not allowed to march. And and so how did that decision then come about? And and and, and again, we we're we're on radio, and and although I'm 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 talking by Zoom here, and and uh, your facial expression just uh, worth uh, ten thousand words. Um, Obviously not an easy decision to come by. I would assume. No, not at all. I, I promise you I was not grave when all of this started. Um, the, the conversation internal to Pride Northwest around uniform law enforcement marching in the parade um, actually began in 2017. Or at least, I mean, before that, but in terms of our active engagement in the conversation of like figuring out, okay, what what can we do here? That actually began in 2017. And we spent several years trying to communicate with, connect with, talk to, dialogue with um, queer and allied officers about the concerns that our community was bringing to us about the impact of their uniformed armed presence. So I want to be really specific about that. It's not about them being there at all. It's being in that uniform with the weapons gun or with the weapons belt. It's that combination of that power that comes with that uniform. Um, and you know, in all honesty, those conversations didn't go anywhere. It didn't, it didn't matter who we brought to talk. Didn't matter how many times we tried to have a conversation. It didn't, we couldn't get the door to open a little bit to figure out some level of compromise. Um, and here in the state of Oregon, in all honesty, law enforcement is a little hemmed in by state law, which means if they represent, if they're somewhere as an officer, whether they're off duty or not, if they're representing though, they have to be armed. They don't have to be in uniform, but they have to be fully armed. And so this is one of those, we can't fix, the Pride Northwest can't fix that. That's a we need law enforcement to address its own policies. Um, and in 29, after 2019, we made the decision to disallow uniformed armed officers to march in the parade. And then after, when everything happened around George Floyd's murder and everything blew up in Portland and just watching all of this unfold, in this city and the response to it by law enforcement um, and still engaging with our community in conversation about the impact of that. Uh, we made the decision to also extend that to, to exhibitors in the festival to, you know, no uniformed armed law enforcement exhibiting in the festival or marching in the parade. This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. Uh, we are talking with Deborah Porter, who is Executive Director of Pride Northwest. We're going to take a quick music break. Um, I understand we have, uh, this is one of the DJs from a previous festival, is that correct? No, this is the headliner for this year's uh, Gaylibration. 
DJ Deanne, and this is a mix that she had done uh, 2020, I imagine probably from her home as we were all doing everything at that point. Uh, so I'm sure you'll enjoy and it'll give you a flavor of what you'll hear Saturday night of Pride Weekend at Gay Liberation. Wonderful.
This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I have, I've been talking with Deborah Porter, who is Executive Director of Pride Northwest. And before we took our uh, upbeat music break, uh, we were talking about uh, the idea of, of community and, and um, Pride Northwest reaching out to BIPOC community, as well as reaching out to uh, members of houseless community, um, as well as making the challenging decision to not allow uh, uniformed and armed uh, therefore armed police to, to, to march and, and really be part of the event. Um, we made an abrupt change there in the, in the tone, and uh, we're going to come out of that a little bit. And Corey Castor is uh, going to talk to us about uh, the, sort of the Saturday night, can I call it the Saturday night party? What, 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 what is, tell me how this fits in, and, and because there's a lot going on. It's a dynamic event, lots of people involved, and also lots of different moods uh, involved. Um, Corey, why don't you set up what is uh, gay liberation, a word that I, 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 I stumble over. <laughs> I was gonna say, I remember this was a struggle last time we did this interview. Uh, gay liberation is how it's pronounced. And yeah, there's Pride Weekend is definitely a sort of a choose your own adventure. And in the evenings, there are plenty of parties. And so we've partnered with Pride as an official Pride event. So we're the Saturday night dance party of Pride Weekend. It is at the Crystal Ballroom, which is a beautiful venue. And we've sold out for the last few years, of course, the pause being the pandemic. And um, we fly in a DJ. So this year we have DJ Deanna. And it is just the biggest way to understand it. It's a big gay dance party. And it's a nonprofit event. So all the proceeds flow through to Pride Northwest, as well as our house for Portland and new avenues for youth. Fantastic. And, and, and obviously, uh, uh, new avenues for youth tying in with, with the idea of, of uh, houselessness. Um, and uh, what, what is, uh, talk to me about the, who can talk to me about the parade that's happening then? And that's on, the parade's on That'd Sunday, be is that correct? Yeah. Um, so the Portland Pride Parade is on Sunday of Pride Weekend. Um, it goes through a part of downtown, um, what we call Old Town, and um, it's it's big. It uh, the city actually can't can't afford for us to get any bigger. Um, we have uh, anywhere from 160 to 170 groups in the parade. Um, that translates eight or nine thousand people in the parade itself. There's usually in 2019, we estimate there were about 45,000 people along the streets. Uh, it winds through Old Town. This year, it will be going by the Never Look Away mural, which is Portland's and we believe Oregon's first LGBTQ IA2S plus specific public works art mural. Uh, so we're excited about that because we haven't, that happened in the middle of the, of the pandemic. We haven't been able to celebrate it yet. Um, it winds through Old Town, comes around and then ends at the festival. Um, it's in 2019, it was close to about three hours long. It is just a big old rambunctious, I mean, the, the staging area where everybody lines up is like a whole other festival all by itself because there's, it's just a big, um, somebody Somebody calls to me, somebody told me that they think of it as the family reunion for the community. And this year, I think that's gonna be even more so because they're people we haven't seen each other in years. 
So and, and and I don't think that I'm shuffling my memories too much too much, but I mean we're talking floats, marching bands, and motorcycles are are all elements of this, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. It's um we don't have too many marching bands. It's um it's Portland's Pride Parade has this sort of reputation for being a really big small town parade. So um, there are a couple of fancy floats that always make it in there, you know, the folks that have the money to do that. But then, then you've got decorated trailers and pickups and just whatever kind of vehicle someone has. You have people marching. You have people in uh, 2019, I think we had a group of folks in golf carts. You know, it's all just, it's really people bring what they want to bring into the parade. Um, and, and that really just ends up being a really fantastic representation of the diversity of our community by the time it's all said and done. Yeah. You know, we're coming to the end of our, our, our time talking here, but I, I want to end on the note of, I, obviously the last couple of years, uh, have been about isolation, uh, to, to a large, you know, to a large degree. And, and that, that obviously can be uh, incredibly difficult. Um, and, and in so many ways, it seems like pride weekend is the antithesis yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I, there's not really a question there, but can you just talk to that? You started to talk about that a bit, Deborah, but can you just add to that idea a bit about, you know, the excitement or the importance of community and coming back together? Sure. Well, I mean, even before the pandemic, Portland pride, especially, is is really you know there are people who come from all over Oregon all up and down the west coast as far we have people who come from Europe but really and truly there's there's not ever a year and I've been doing this since 2006 there's not ever a year that goes by when I don't meet someone from I don't know eastern Oregon some you know because Oregon we have one really good sized chunk of of the state and then everything else is like is like rural almost. Um, and Portland Pride may be the one and only time for the entire year that they get to be with people who are like them or that where they can come and feel safe and, and, and accepted and celebrated and all of these things. And it may very well be the only opportunity they have until next year. So it's a big end no matter how much things change or don't change, the, the whole process of coming out is scary. It just is. And so being able to come to Pride and be who you are and be around other people who are glad that you're there and being who you are is just, you know, that just, you just can't beat it. Absolutely. June 18th through 19th. And, and um, Ryan Westbrook, how about you take us, uh, take us across the finish line here? Yeah, Phil, thank you so much for having all of us on board. I do want to say that Pride for me, I grew up in the Portland area, 25 years of attending and helping produce Gaylibration along with Corey. I'm really excited about this year, not only for us to all get back together, but really to focus on what's important. You heard Deborah talk about uh, the community and how Pride is the small town 
big city gay pride. I remember sitting on the streets, my first pride. And to everyone that's listening to this and thinking about coming down, thinking about enjoying, thinking about being an ally, please do. To sponsors that are thinking about helping out with the events and helping make this happen, please do. If there's anything you can do to help contribute, it's really, truly a community effort. Not only the folks at Pride Northwest, Gay Liberation, we're all very excited to have an amazing weekend. Be sure to check out prideNW.org and GayLiberation.org. We look forward to seeing you down there. Brian Westbrook, Deborah Porter, Corey Castor, thank you all for talking with us and thank you for the work and so excited to have this um, back in its, its uh, not just full capacity, but, but uh, larger, larger than life capacity this year. Uh, and, and thank you all. We look forward to a fantastic weekend. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.